Good morning. I feel like a snail this morning. And it's got definitely got something to do with the cold. Uh, but uh, I hope your hearts are nice and warm. And uh, that you are excited to be in this wonderful auditorium as the Lord has given it to us. So that we can use it for His glory. And uh, to listen to His word, to sing His praises, to give to His work and to, to do what He wants us to do. What a privilege. Uh, I've been thinking of uh, some of the churches that I uh, read their the newsletters and I think of them as they don't have a place to, to worship. And uh, whenever the, the place where they are gathered decide, no, they don't want them there anymore, they just chase them out. You know, so we are so privileged. And it's been here for many, many years. You know, so the Lord has really blessed us. Uh, this morning is a youth service. So what I'm going to do this morning is I would like to, to build on some foundation. A few months ago, I preached on foundations. Uh, and I would like to continue, but build on what has already been built on. You'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about as we continue. I believe with all of my heart that um, if our foundations are not solid, then the building cannot stand. Uh, I've, I've been looking at some ruins. Uh, I follow a few YouTube people that, that go out and they go and camp in different places. And there's this father and he's got three young sons. Uh, I think the youngest one is about three years old. And sometimes that three-year-old son goes with him um, camping. And uh, so they went to a World War II, uh, like an Air Force base, and they stayed there for the evening. And he stayed there with one of his sons. And it was amazing how you could see the buildings that were made out of concrete, solid concrete, reinforced, solid foundations. You could see those buildings stand. And this, it, this place was built in the 1800s. And then... You see buildings that has just collapsed. And they actually walk on the roof, but the roof is on the floor, or you know, on the ground. And it just shows how important foundations are. If the foundation is shaky, if the foundation is not well built, then the building will not stand. It was Jesus who spoke about foundations, eh? When he said we must make sure that our foundations are built on the rock. And we know that the rock is not Peter, it's Jesus Christ. And especially the words that Peter said about Jesus Christ, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, but our foundations needs to be on solid rock. It needs to be strong and firm. You know, so that when the winds of time or the winds of change or the winds of the world or sin or temptation comes, that our buildings will stand. And I am concerned about the church. I know that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Jesus said that. And if Jesus said it, it will happen. But there's a concern, and my concern is about our young people. The uh, massive temptation that they are under, the, how can I say, the, the pressure that our young people are under, specifically when they go to school, when they interact with their fellow uh, students, same age, maybe older and younger, there's a lot of pressure on our young people. And I would like to urge the older members of this church, those who are out of school, those of who finished university or college or whatever, to please make it a daily thing to pray for the youth. They need our prayers. But they don't only need our prayers. I think there's one thing that I've been confronted with this week because it was so nice and cold. I could watch quite a few videos um, and I was really confronted this week. Uh, if the foundations are wrong, then we have a big, big problem. I want you to make a, a mental note in your mind, children, of this verse. That's Psalm 11, verse 3. It says the following. Psalm 11, verse 3. It says, For the foundation, if the foundation 
be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do if their foundation is destroyed? And guess what is happening in the world today? The world is attacking the church's foundations. Our foundations that are supposed to be firm on the rock, it's being attacked. And they've, the world knows, because the world is being led by the devil, no? the God of this world. And the world knows who to attack. They are definitely not going to attack those who are strong in the faith, that knows God's word, that has settled things in their minds, that's got a strong biblical worldview. That's not the people they're going to attack because they're not going to do, get anything done because the foundations are strong. But they're going to go for our children. They're going to go for the youth because the youth is still building foundation in their lives. And, and we have a major responsibility as adults to be involved in the building of those foundations in our children's lives. While we are cautious, or how can I say, while we make sure that our foundations are not shaken, that our foundations are not destroyed, but rather that our foundations stand firm. What happens in the world today, and, and I want you to you just see this picture let's say we've got two castles and those castles are built both of them are built on good solid foundations the one is called humanism and the other castle is called Christianity and what humanism secular humanism that's basically what the world is all about now secular humanism what the secular humanists are doing and the atheists and the evolutionists and those who do not believe in God those who do not know if there is a God, the agnostics, all those people, what they do is they are aiming at our foundations to destroy our foundation because they know if they hit the foundation and they continuously hit the foundation, our castle is going to come down. But what we are doing is we are fighting, let's say, the balloons that's hanging above their castle and the one balloon says abortion, and the other one says homosexuality, and the other one says um, evolution, and the other one says postmodernism, and the other one says um, whatever. And we are shooting those balloons. And we are fighting those balloons because those balloons are morally unacceptable things. While the humanists castle stands very strong because they continuously are building into their foundation and making their foundation stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. What we need to do is we need to turn and start hitting the foundations because it's at foundation level that we will be able to defeat what is happening. Now, if Psalm 11 tells us that if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It, it basically tells us what in the world, if our foundations are destroyed, what are they for us to do? I believe the only thing that we can do is to make sure that we have strong foundations. And we know that our foundation is seated in the Word of God. No? That's where our foundations are. Now, in Proverbs chapter 30, Proverbs chapter 30, we read the following. It says, every, verse 5, every word of God proves true. This is the ESV. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. It says, every word of God proves true. That's our foundation. But the problem is, the Word of God is being attacked. We know that. That's been done for years and years and years and years. There are many people who do not believe the Word of God, but they sit in church every Sunday. There are people that believe that God created over millions and millions of years. And they are teaching in seminaries. They are teaching pastors. 
but they believe that God has created over billions of years. And they actually say it. They're not ashamed to say it, even though it's contrary to the Bible. So what they do is they reinterpret the Bible so that at the end of the day, what they believe can fit in there. Because they would like to be in line with what the world teaches. Yeah, they want to be in line with so-called science because they believe that science is true, always true. And it's not actually true. Now, creation is one of those foundations that is being attacked in the day that we are living in. And it's really being attacked. Actually, we can say that the, the whole Bible is being attacked, but if we had to focus in on one book of the Bible that is under attack lately, more so than in any other time period in history, it is the book of Genesis. Especially Genesis chapter 1 and 2. For some other reason. We can actually say chapter 1 to 11. But specifically chapter 1 and 2. When it comes to creation. It's one of those foundations that are being attacked by the world. And lately it is also being attacked by people in the church. And that breaks my heart. Because we are supposed to have the scriptures as our final authority. We should not add to the scriptures. We just read it. And we should not take away from the scriptures. But the reality is our creation foundation is definitely being attacked. Children, what I want to do this morning, or young people, what I want to do this morning is to take some time and just focus in. You might think, I know creation. Are you going to tell me huh? God created and on the first day God created this and the second day he created that and whatever. The question is, did God create in six literal days in your mind? I'm talking about 24-hour days. You know, when it becomes dark and then the sun comes up and then when it comes dark again that previous period of time was 24 hours did God create in 24 hour periods six of them or do you believe that God created over millions and billions maybe of years I would have loved to be able to see into your minds now. Really. Because I believe there are more people that believe in millions and millions of years than there are people that believe that God created in six literal days. In effect, in, 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 uh, how can I say, in actual fact, what is happening today is the so-called learned scientists are laughing at those who believe in a six-day creation or a young earth. They literally laugh at someone like me. I'm a creationist. I believe in a six-day creation. I believe in a young earth. The thing is, there are other foundations as well, obviously. No? Those um, foundations in includes the fact that God created mankind. He created them in his image. No? He created Adam in his image and he took Eve from Adam and he created both of them in his image. And because God created them in his image, we cannot, and I want you to listen very carefully, we cannot, nobody is, is, has got the right to take the life of a baby because that baby has got a unique DNA. Yes, gets DNA from the mother and from the father, and then it's combined into a, a new person. And in that mother's womb is a new person. We call it a baby. But it's a new person that has been created in that body. It's not part of that mother's body. It's a unique human being. 
created in God's image, and when we kill that child, or anybody kills that child, it's called murder in the Ten Commandments. It is breaking the Ten Commandments. And God gave us the Ten Commandments because He knew this was going to happen. Right, so what people then do is they say, no, 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 it's not a child. It is part of the mother's body, and the mother can do with her body whatever she wants. My body, my choice. And it's not true. It's a different human being in her, and she has no right to kill that human being that God has given life to. Right, so we have, and that's another foundation, is that God created mankind in His image. And male and female, He created them. And then later on we read that God gave Adam a helpmate or a helpmeet called Eve, a woman. So God took a man and a woman, and he's the one who instituted marriage. That's another foundation. And that foundation is being attacked in our day and age. Right? And the great, another great one that is being attacked in the time that we're living in is the fact that Adam and Eve sinned against God. And it's heartbreaking that the fall of man and the reason why we have all the problems in the world we have, people are blaming God instead of blaming the right thing. And that is sin. Sin caused the problem. Now, obviously, it was Adam and Eve. They sinned against God. They disobeyed God. And when they disobeyed God, sin came into the world. And then, what did God do? When they came into a fall, fell into sin, and God came to them, He took an innocent animal as a substitute for their sin, and He killed this innocent animal to dress them. And by the way, have you noticed that it's only human beings that wear clothes? You know where it comes from? I just told you. When God killed an animal to dress Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. Ah, and it's interesting. Have you noticed that if you go to pagan nations, Gentile pagans, specifically pagan nations, you will find out that those people run around na naked. And guess what happens the moment they come to salvation in Jesus Christ? And I'm talking about true um, regeneration they wear clothes why because they read the Bible if they don't if they follow the world they will run around like what we are finding now in you know these clubs and when it comes to all these these things where people are running around without clothes and if women and men dress very what do you call it? <laughs> Sparingly? You know, as little as possible? You know where that comes from? It comes from our sinful nature. The Bible teaches us modesty. Why does the Bible teach us modesty? Because God is the one who gave Adam and Eve clothes. And He didn't give Eve a bikini. Okay, so why do we wear clothes and animals don't? Because God made us clothes. He gave us clothes. And that's the principle. God never changed. That is His order. That's what God does. And that's what He did, I mean. And He wants us to follow in what He says. But what does the world say to us? Hmm. Modesty. <laughs> My body my choice if I want to wear a bikini as a child of God I will wear it and look like a pagan you hear what I'm saying beloved we must be aware how much the world has influenced the church and how much our foundations have been knocked down knocked to pieces and that's why we don't see a difference between the church and the world. It is heartbreaking. It's because our foundations have been rocked, have been shot. Anyway, so we can go on. 
For example, uh, I've, I saw this very beautiful picture of, um, of the flood. It's the, the boy speaking to his dad, and he said that he heard from his teacher that the flood, because he, he told his teacher, no, oh, it was a worldwide flood, and the teacher said, no, 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 no. But he says, but our teacher is a Christian. And the teacher said, it's, it wasn't a worldwide flood. It was a localized flood. And then the next picture is where the son and the father is actually sitting on a roof. Yeah. Uh, and you remember that God gave a promise that the world will never be flooded again, and he gave us the rainbow? So this father and the son are sitting on the roof in a local flood. And the father asked the son, so did God promise that he will never ever give a local flood? Think about that. If you hear it again, that it's a local flood. No, it wasn't a local flood. It was a worldwide flood. That actually answers a lot of questions that we have with regards to why would you find in, um, in certain places, why would you find a tree that's standing straight up and it is fossilized? Why would you find different animals in different stages but it's the wrong way around. Why would you find, uh, Stephen was telling, I think it was Stephen who was telling us, that in uh, Siberia, I think, uh, they found one of these uh, buffaloes. What is it called? Mammoth. I don't know if you heard about it. This mammoth that was frozen instantly with grass in its mouth. Instant frozen you know, so there are so many of these things then we get the Tower of Babel for example that's another foundation because what happened at the Tower of Babel at the Tower of Babel that's where God confused the languages that's where he spread the people all over the earth but all those people came from Noah and his family I've preached about that already and we know that Noah and his family came from Adam and Eve. So when everybody runs around and speaks and cries out, racism, 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 race, 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 there's only one race, and that's the human race. And we all created in God's image, which means that we should all love one another. We should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We are Christians, aren't we? So if you find that anybody in the Christian world hates another person that has another color, that hasn't got the same amount of melamine in their body, that is sin. You're not loving your neighbor as you're supposed to love yourself. So there's a lot of foundations that we find in Scripture. Obviously, one of the important ones is the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried that he rose on the third day and he ascended into heaven and he will return. And I put an emphasis on that word day. You'll hear why I'm saying that now. So he ascended on the third day and he will come back. And we believe in the triumphant return of Jesus Christ and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And I've just touched on a few things, but those things are all foundational to the Christian faith. Especially what we believe about Jesus Christ and what we believe about the, the Godhead, now, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So many things that are foundational, but this morning I want to touch on one of them. Before I continue, please, let's close our eyes in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning especially to touch on this topic, the subject of foundations, and specifically with regards to Genesis. Because, Father, at the end of the day, we don't want our foundations shaken. We want our foundations to be firm so that you may be glorified in and through our lives and that we may stand firm we know that we are going to be attacked. We know that your word is attacked. We know that our lives can be attacked. We know that 
Uh, the world hates us. We know that the devil hates us. Father, but thank you so much that our foundation can be strong if we root it in your word and a strong biblical worldview. So I pray this morning, Father, will you please open up our hearts and our minds to understand and receive, enable me to teach your people. And I pray, Father, that those things that, that should not be, uh, get stuck in people's minds, please to take it out. But those things that need to touch their hearts, may your word as it is sent out, that may it accomplish what it is sent out to accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, I, I think we all know the first verse in the Bible. Eh? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and there's this amazing word that says, in the beginning, God created. Not chance or chance, not evolution, not aliens from another planet, but God. Which God? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who was present because that word right there in the beginning, God, that word is in the plural. It's the word Elohim. And it tells us that God is more than one eh? in the sense of not many gods, but there's already a plurality in the Godhead right in the first verse of the Old Testament of the book of Genesis. The thing is, there are professing believers who profess that God created. They will say it. Yeah, we believe that God created, but they deny that God created in six literal days. They will say, no, 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 God created over a long period of time. And, and that time may vary. Uh, I heard the other day, unfortunately, one of our great, oh, he has been seen, well, in my mind, he was seen as a, a great apologist, which means he defends the faith, the Christian faith. Uh, the other day I heard that he is a great defender that God created over billions of years, which means he's an evolutionist. But he defends the faith, but he rejects this first foundation. It's heartbreaking. So in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. It's amazing how professing Christians deny the literal six days. They don't believe that the day in Genesis is 24 hours. And this puzzles my mind. Uh, for what I'm going to share with you now, I, I want to thank um, Answers in Genesis. Of course, a lot of it comes from them, from that website. I believe they are thorough in the, the how can I say, scientific um, study and the biblical understanding of creation and what goes around or revolves around uh, creation. So please go and visit that website. You will not make a mistake if you go. Anyway, when we go to the Bible, when we talk about a day, the Bible uses, or the Old Testament uses the word day 2,301 times. Did you know that? It's kind of important if a word is used so many times. 2,301 times in the Old Testament. And that word is yom. Ne? That's the Hebrew word for, for day. Yom. So that word is used 2,301 times. Now, uh, people will accept that this word day in other places means a 24-hour day. But it amazes me. The moment they read Genesis, nope, can't be 24 hours. Then they change their mind. Then they start thinking about it completely differently. And you wonder why. What has influenced them to not think uh, or look at a day in the Old Testament that is used 2,301 times? Why don't they look at it const constantly, you know, consistently? Why do they just jump? I mean, the, the day 
you know, yom, if you use that word, day, um, it's used 410 times, whether it's in plural or whether it's singular, which means whether it's a day or 10 days or 100 days or whatever. It's used 410 times. And it always means an ordinary day. You know, when the sun is there and then when the moon is there. You know, well, it's night and day, 24 hours. Um, it's interesting as well that when the word day is used in, like in the sense of evening and morning, you know, as it's used in the book of Genesis, it's used 38 times. And in those 38 times, it always means an ordinary day. And then when they use the word, or, or the, when the word yom is used as evening and morning together with the word day, that's used 23 times, and it always means an ordinary day. So when the Bible says to us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. That's 24 hours. That's a normal, ordinary day. Oh, but there's people that say, Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. There was no sun. The sun was only created on the fourth day. You know that, hey? As if God cannot be light, or God is not light, and that God cannot give light to the earth without the sun. As if God is this Mickey Mouse, little God, that can only do what people tells him to do. You know, this genie in a bottle. That's not God. That's not the creator of the heavens and the earth. In verse 8 of Genesis 1, the second part, it says, And the evening and the morning were the second day, 24 hours, once again. So we can go right through all of the six days of creation, and you will see it is exactly the same thing that is used. So why all of a sudden? When we read that and we read it somewhere else, somewhere else it means 24 hours, but when we read Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, it means millions of years. Oh, maybe it comes from, if you want to turn there quickly, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Maybe that's the one. Because maybe the New Testament is giving us some light on this, this problem that Christians seem to have. And it seems to boggle a lot of uh, professing believers' minds. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says the following, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Ah! That means, now remember, this day is now in the New Testament. Now, this is not the Old Testament use of the word day. This is New Testament use of the word day. So you cannot compare the two. Don't make that mistake, please. There are people, um, I was involved in a ministry many years ago who did that. Who took the the meaning of a Greek word and they applied it to a Hebrew word. You cannot do that. Right. So, this must mean that when God created, at least there was a thousand years in between the one day and the other day. That God at least used a thousand years to do this evolutionary thing, you know, to, to kind of get people from soup to a monkey to a human being. Have you seen any change the last thousand years that has been recorded? You see, evolution needs billions of years. They can't do it in thousands. They need billions. And you will see it, it gets more and more as time goes on. Because they say the earth is billions and billions of years old and the universe is even older. So, wh what is Peter actually saying to us here? It is the simple reading of the text within its context basically tells us that God understands or his understanding, sorry, of time is much different than ours. From our view viewpoint, the second coming of Jesus Christ is taking a long time. But from God's perspective, it's not a long time. 
because God is outside of time. That's the basic meaning, I believe. So for God, a thousand years is like one day and one day like a thousand years. To God, it's irrelevant because he's not connected to time. He's not subject to time. He is above time, outside of time. And please, we shouldn't try to understand that because we are subject to time. Okay? But it can also refer, and this is eschatological, which means it talks about the end time. It can also refer to the thousand years between the first phase of the Lord of the, uh, the day of the Lord, you know, at the end of the tribulation period. And then we have this thousand years of, of uh, peace where Jesus reigns on this earth. And then we have the second phase of the day of the Lord where the final judgment takes place. It can also refer to that thousand year period of time. But it definitely does not tell us that between the first and the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh day in creation, there is a thousand years in between there. It's not talking about that. It's not talking about creation. It's not even referring to creation. It's talking about the second coming of Christ. So don't take a passage of scripture that speaks about the second coming of Christ and go and push it into Genesis 1. Right, it, it doesn't work like that. There is no thousand-year gap between the days of creation. Creation is still six days, literal days. And then the seventh day, God rested, obviously. And God confirms this in his own writing. You know, he did it in his own writing. You know where? On Mount Sinai, when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Exodus 20 verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it or declared it holy. Beloved, the Bible is inspired by God, but the Ten Commandments is written by God. Obviously, yes, Moses broke the, the tablets and he had to go back and write it himself. But first of all, it was God who wrote it. So if God himself reaffirms the six days, why didn't he say, oh, and um, God created, for in six billion trillion years, kind of, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Wouldn't that be a God that we can trust? I trust God because he said in six days, and those words, are that the word there is yom, 24 hours. Think about this one. Children, you know, how long was uh, Jonah in the fish? You know the story of Jonah? The guy that was supposed to go to Nineveh? And then he ran away, or well, he sailed away on a boat, and then a big storm came up. And then the people asked, where's the culprit? And Jonah got up and said, ah, me, I'm the, I'm the guy. All you need to do is take me and throw me overboard, and the storm will stop. And voila, they did it. Overboard. And then a big fish swallowed him. Ooh, and the people have got a problem with that big fish swallowing a man. As if a whale is not big enough to swallow a man. Mm. But anyway, so this big fish, we believe it's a whale that swallowed Jonah. So he's in the fish for how long? Three days. But if we say that three days could be three billion years. Or three thousand years. Then Jonah was an old guy, huh? He didn't make it to Nineveh. The story is a bunch of nonsense because he was in that belly of the whale for 3,000 years at least. If one day is it like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day, and we always have to say that a day is a thousand years when we interpret scripture, eh, the Old Testament. 
I love it. We need to use, use some logic as well at times. But I believe we need to use sanctified logic. Because um, it is God through His Spirit that opens up His Word to us. Ken Ham said a beautiful thing. He said he was at a university where he spoke to a, a group of, uh, of, of students and faculty and a lot of people that came. I'm not going to go into detail. He said, but what he did was uh, afterwards somebody asked him a question on abortion and they asked him on homosexuality. It was a good, big group of, of students that were part of the LGBTQ community and so on. And they were waiting for him to say something because he's a creationist so that they can attack him. And um, so they asked him a question uh, about abortion. And later there were questions about um, homosexuality as well. But when they asked him this question, he said to them, listen, let me say, or, or to the person that asked the question, it was actually taken into some of the newspapers in America and some of the books and, and reviews. He said, listen, uh, when, when he started with, the, with, the spe with his speech, he basically said to them, I'm a Christian. And I believe in the Bible. And I believe that the Bible is the foundation of my worldview. So I've got a biblical worldview, and it's from the Bible that I take everything that I believe. So when that question came, he said to the person, he said, as I said to you when I started off, I believe in the Bible. So my foundation is a biblical foundation. This is where I come from. This is where I, 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 how can I say, I take everything that I believe, I take it from God's word. But if I had to look at your foundation, your foundation is different. Because obviously it's secular humanism. Right? Postmodernism, secular humanism, whatever it could be. Now he says, because your foundation is different, there is no way that you and I can agree on anything except if we go back to our foundations and to discuss with one another about our foundations. You see, I can talk to somebody that believes in abortion without judging that person. Because that person has a foundation in their life. And that foundation basically allows them to, to have an abortion. Somebody that's homosexual or transgender or whatever, that person's foundation allows them to be who they are or to express themselves whatever way they want to express themselves. My foundation does not allow me to do that. My foundation is different. And I have decided that I'm going to build my life, all of it, on a biblical foundation. And that's why I'm outspoken but I'm not judging others because they have different foundations. No, I would like to discuss them to, uh, with them when we talk about foundations. Let's sit down and discuss our foundations. Unfortunately, some of us, or some believers, know so little about their foundation that they cannot defend their faith. They cannot defend what they believe. Because uh, the first questions that come towards them, they become emotional and they start acting emotionally instead of speaking from the truth that they believe and that is foundational in their life and that's why it's so important that we need to have the right foundation and to have that solid foundation what has happened and this is the heartbreaking thing you know the scientists came along and this is what the scientists said this is just a uh, like a picture no? says the Bible is not true. These rock layers, nah, that's the fossil record, shows that the earth is millions of years old. You have to believe me. I'm a scientist. So what did the theologian do? He listened to the scientist and he said, oh, I'll just accept the millions of years and add it to the Bible. Find a way, I'll add it in there. So the theologian destroys his foundations to make sure that he adds 
what the scientists said because today science is always right but actually science has become a religion and science is not always right that's why science has to be tested all the time didn't God say in Proverbs 30 verse 5 every word of God proves true he is a shield to those who take refuge in him do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar love it you um, and, and children you, you either accept God's word or you reject it altogether I wish that wish listen to me I would love theologians to stop messing with God's word and if they don't know rather to say I don't know stop messing with God's word and if especially if they speak to young people who are still building on the foundations and if they don't know the answer shut up and go and find out what it is too much destruction has taken place over the years because I think people talk too fast or too quick and they are adding to God's word as much as they want and taking away from it as much as they want and they just don't care because they're clever when I was at university University of Pretoria these are one of the first words in the first month or so that I was at university that I heard and I didn't understand what it meant today I do then I didn't they said theology is a science which means my study of the word of God is a science and we handle it as a science and maybe that's why most of the lecturers that was giving classes to us at that stage and I'm very outspoken about it I couldn't see Christ in them but I could see the scientists I love it I've spoken about the, the gap theory before that's when uh, what the, uh, the theologians then did obviously after the scientists told, told them listen no, no 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 the earth is millions and billions of years old they had to get a place where they can fit it in so they got it fitted into between Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 1 verse 2 that's where they get billions and billions of years in actually they, they, they got in there what they call the geologic ages and they got um, the millions and billions of years and they got Lucifer's flood in there because somehow they got to get the people dead that was alive in the previous world before God cr created this new thing you remember what verse 1 says it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth or the heaven and the earth and then verse 2 says and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep which means it was chaos and then it says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and then after that God started creating so they say between verse 1 and verse 2 there is a gap that could be billions and billions of years and the flood of or Lucifer's flood could have taken place in that period of time because already during that time there was this evolutionary process where people developed and people lived and all kinds of things lived but they all died I'm not going to go into the theory because it's a bunch of nonsense anyway but that's a way to get billions of years into Genesis 1 there's other ways that they also try to do exactly the same thing the problem is if at all you get it right to fit millions and billions of years into creation it basically means that you have death before sin do you understand this you have death before sin but the New Testament teaches us in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 it says sin entered the world through one man uh, Adam the first guy oh but people reject the fact that Adam was ever alive so this must be a lie no? 
No, it's not a lie. Because Adam existed, God created two people. Adam first, and then Eve from Adam. Paul actually acknowledges that now, that Eve was taken from Adam. He was, Adam was before Eve. Oh, the world, especially the feminists, they can't handle that. Beloved, that's our foundation. It's not the world's foundation. That's not the feminist's foundation. I understand where they come from. And, and to be honest with you, I don't have a problem if they believe what they believe. But I believe what I believe because it's what God's word says. And I would like to have a stronger foundation that I have. Which means I have to study God's word more so I can know more. But anyway, so uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. How did death come into this world? According to the Bible, through sin. So what was first? Death or sin? Sin was first. Yeah. Oh, but if you have billions and billions and whatever amount of years, then death came before sin. You see that? Beloved, and why did Jesus come? Did he come to pay the penalty for our sin? To redeem us from our sin? Is that why Jesus came? You see, if sin did not come before death, then there's no reason for Jesus to come. Do you understand that? No reason for him to come. So what the evolutionists are actually doing, and those who believe in billions and billions of years, they're actually rejecting the, redeemed, uh, the, the work of the Redeemer. They are rejecting the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's what they're rejecting. They're attacking the gospel. They're attacking salvation. And what they do is to kind of get away with it is they build theologies that is so man-made, so from the pit of hell, because they have to build it to try to get Jesus to still die for people the right way. I wish I could go into much deeper detail. Not wish. I would have loved to have. That's a word, that, a word that's, that's crept in that I need to get rid of. We don't wish on nothing. We know what is true and we know the truth. And the truth shall set us free. Romans 5.19 says, For just as though... Uh, the, uh, this, uh, through this, the disobedience of the one man, Adam. Now, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. So sin came first, salvation through Christ afterwards. But scripture is clear. Sin first, then death, then salvation. If you would take it over period of time and you cannot have millions and billions of years and the idea that sin came before death at this, in the same breath you can't they're incompatible it's interesting in the fossil record when they dig up these fossils what they find in these fossils are cancer and arthritis and infections all kinds of abscesses and things like that that's what they find in these fossils and in Genesis 1, verse 31, we read the following. It says the Bible, well, the Bible tells us that God created man and he finished his work of creation. Then we read in verse 31, And God saw that everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. So if you had a fossil record already, if you had death already, if you had disease, if you had abscesses, if you had cancer, then what God is actually saying is that cancer is very good. You see that? Of course not. God doesn't say that cancer is good. God doesn't say that disease is good. God doesn't say that sin is good. That's why he sent his only begotten son. That's why Jesus died as a substitute for our sin. That's why he took our sin upon himself when he died on that cross. That's why he gave us a means of salvation, a free gift, 
that all we need to do is to believe that Jesus Christ died for us and built on this foundation that he has given us freely. It's interesting when you take the Bible, the, the Word of God that we believe is without error in its original manuscripts. Obviously, there are many that do not believe that today. They believe that the Bible is full of errors. So if they believe the Bible is full of errors, I think they will start in Genesis 1 and say that's a bunch of nonsense. But if we believe that the Bible is inerrant, which means it doesn't have any mistakes in its original form, and it's infallible, which means we, it's perfect in every aspect for us to be able to, to live the kind of life that God wants us to live and to be holy and to know how to live and to, to do what God wants us to do. If we take the Word of God and we take the evolutionary theory, for example, and we, that which is man's fallible opinion, when we take those two, and we try to modify one. Guess which one is modified? Have you noticed? Have you noticed that they've never touched the evolutionary theory? Never. In fact, they will just lie more. But what will be modified is the Word of God. In fact, they will try to destroy God's Word or put so many things into the Word that it's no longer the Word of God. It's the word of man. My time is running out. And it's running out quickly. I'm nearly done. If we believe in God's word as having all authority, that God has all authority, that God truly exists, if you truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are a born-again Christian, born-again believer, if your foundation is the Word of God, it is, I believe, one of those foundational things that we should believe in a six-day creation. Because it will have an influence on the way that we look at everything. And the wonderful thing is, if God's word is our authority and God's word is our truth, capital letter, then I believe that we will believe in the six-day creation. We will understand that God has laws and that his moral law is always the same, never changing. We cannot decide like the Catholic Church to change the second commandment and just to take it out and then to split up the tenth commandment into two parts and we still have ten commandments but they've taken out the second commandment which means that now they can bow down before statues and they can be involved in idol worship because they've taken out one of the commandments of God. But if the word of God is our authority and our ultimate truth then we will submit to God's law. We will understand what marriage is all about, that marriage is between one man and one woman because God instituted it that way, confirmed by Jesus. And Jesus actually says, don't you know that in the beginning God created male and female, a man and a woman? And we will understand that God's standards are his standards and that we follow his standards. And we will have meaning in life, and our meaning in life will be grounded in the word of God. And if we disagree with one another as believers, we will sit down with the word of God and we will interact with one another as believers in love to sort out our differences and our interpretations so that we can come to a conclusion at the end of the day which is glorifying to God or which glorifies God which edifies one another without having to fight one another, without having to become upset and become emotional because we are working with objective truth, truth that has always been the same, yesterday, today, and forever, and we don't have to reinterpret it. 
scripture interprets itself. But beloved, if we believe in man is the authority and man decides truth, then millions of twelve years makes 100% sense. Because the foundation is different. Yeah? You will find lawlessness. You will find lies. You will find that people will be involved in fraud and all kinds of things. I don't even have to go into all those things because sin is lawlessness. No? Because they have no law. The country can make laws. They won't even follow those laws. And then we can understand, because man is their authority, that you will find things like homosexual behavior. And you will find things like abortion. Because there's two different foundations. And what I urge you this morning, if you profess to be a believer, take some time. Make sure that your foundation is built on the truth of God's word. make sure because I believe it is extremely important and we're living in a time we're living in an age this postmodern age that we're living in where our foundations are being attacked more and more and more and the reason why it's being attacked is because they found it very easy to attack our foundations because people just don't believe the word of God anymore so make sure of your foundations. Children, if you struggle with something, if there's something that you heard from school that bothers you and you would like to have a biblical answer, come to someone who can answer you from a biblical perspective, please. We want to answer your questions so that you don't walk around and go and ask somebody else that doesn't know what the Bible teaches. Come and ask. Ask me. I'll try to answer your question. And as I said before, if I don't have the answer, I'll shut up. So I don't know. But I'll come back to you. I'll go and research it myself if I don't know. I don't know everything. I'm a human being. But I'll, I'll go and find out. Make sure that what you believe, especially if you're a believer, actually, if you're a believer, make sure that what you believe is biblical. Beloved, in this church, unfortunately, I've heard many things that have shaken me. And I've heard a lot of worldly, how can I say, foundational stuff. It's not biblical. Many of those things. So I, I want to urge you to build on a solid biblical foundation. Build on a solid biblical worldview so that when the attacks come you'll be able to defend yourself defend the faith and stand firm on the word of god let's pray father thank you that we can come to you uh, thank you that your word is our foundation that everything that we need for our foundation is in your word thank you that christ is the truth that it's in the person of christ that the truth is seated thank you that your word is truth and jesus said it himself thy word is truth and we believe that your word is truth. And Father, we know and, and we've experienced it that the, the attacks from the world and the attacks on the foundations of our faith is so strong. And even though we will have our disagreements on small little issues, Father, we, we need to all build on the same foundation. That's, our, that's your word. I pray, Father, as... This is a youth service specifically focused on the young people. I pray for young people this morning. That as they build foundation in their lives, as they grow older and older, and as they go through life, and as they go through school and college and university, whatever, Father, I pray that a foundation may be strong, biblically based. And those things that we do not understand, thank you that in time and that there are people that have studied and takes their time to to explain these things to us thank you for fellow believers who 
and fellow scientists, believing scientists, those who are saved, who spent a lifetime in studying things that, that is in the scientific world. Thank you that you have your children everywhere. I pray, Father, that you will enable us to build a strong foundation that cannot be shaken so that you may be glorified in and through our lives every single day, 24 hours a day. And Father, thank you so much that we can look at your word. Thank you that we can still read your word. And even though our foundations are being attacked, Father, thank you that we can still worship you in spirit and in truth and in freedom. So I pray, please, enable these young people, those who are not saved, I pray that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and that they will start building on a solid foundation. And I pray for those who, who know Christ as the Lord and Savior and where their foundations have been attacked by the world, I pray, Father, that their foundations will be strengthened and their foundations will be um, built up to, to become so strong that it will not be able to be destroyed. So we pray in Jesus' precious name.